It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, August 31st, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. On a visit to Alaska last week, the leader of the National Community Service Agency AmeriCorps said the group plans to increase its investment in the state. As reported by Alaska Beacon's Claire Strumpel, more than 400 people worked or volunteered with AmeriCorps in Alaska last year. The federal program spent more than $4.3 million in the state by funding community-led initiatives in schools, youth centers, health clinics, and shelters. AmeriCorps CEO Michael Smith said he spent lots of time with rural and tribal communities on his visit because he wants to increase the AmeriCorps presence there. He said part of the reason for the visit is to raise awareness in communities that they can reach out to AmeriCorps to fund their projects. One example is the Elder Mentor Program, which just received a $1 million grant from AmeriCorps. The program's aim is to provide intergenerational support in schools. AmeriCorps has funded the program through Rural Alaska Community Action Program Incorporated since 2013, and it is active in nine Alaska communities. Maddie Stokes, who runs the program for Rural CAP, said the group will use the money to fund more elder mentors in schools, but also to begin a peer-to-peer senior companion program. The funding is available through an AmeriCorps program designated for Native Nations and Indigenous Elders grants. More than half of the state's roughly 50 elder mentors are on what they call the culture bearer track, which focuses on cultural revitalization and language preservation. Another program Smith said he thinks could grow is the after-school Resilient Alaska Youth Program, whose goal is to build supportive relationships and cultural identity and decrease substance use and suicide among Alaska youth. It currently employs 15 Alaskans as AmeriCorps members in 13 communities. The program only recruits AmeriCorps members from within the communities where they will serve. Stokes, who used to run the program for Rural Cap, said that's unique and one of the after-school program's greatest strengths. Communities that could use volunteers or AmeriCorps members for social services can reach out to the program directly or through the state's website. Governor Mike Dunleavy has vetoed a bill that would ban firefighting foam containing PFAS. The harmful compounds, also known as forever chemicals, have polluted drinking water across Alaska. The bill passed the state House and Senate almost unanimously. The bill's co-sponsor, Democratic Senator Jesse Keel of Juneau, said the veto came as a shock. I'm not sure which stage of grief I'm in exactly, but I'm not past anger. In his veto letter, Dunleavy cited concerns about a lack of alternatives for the foams, which are often used to fight fires at airports. In Alaska, firefighting foams are believed to be the single biggest source of PFAS contamination, which has been linked to a higher risk of some cancers. Earlier this year, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency proposed new standards to limit PFAS in drinking water. Alaska doesn't regulate PFAS, but if the new federal standards take effect, then the state will be responsible for cleaning up contaminated water. Keel said his bill was designed to prevent further contamination. Without state legislative action, the message from the Dunleavy administration is only the federal government can be counted on to get poison out of Alaska's water. I don't believe that's right. 
Governor Dunleavy's office did not immediately respond to a request for comment. In the past, Kiel has proposed more comprehensive PFAS bills, which ultimately failed. Now, the only chance for his latest bill to pass is if lawmakers vote to override the veto. Vetoes are rarely overridden, but Kiel said he hopes to try during next year's legislative session. Thousands of Alaskans are at risk of losing their Medicaid benefits this year, many because of paperwork issues. Medicaid is health insurance for low-income Americans and serves about a third of people in the state. 260,000 Alaskans must re-enroll in the program this year or risk losing their benefits. This is after a freeze in enrollments because of the COVID pandemic. Alaska Public Media's Rachel Cassandra has more. The three-year re-enrollment pause meant recipients didn't lose Medicaid coverage even if their income went above the cutoff for the program. But this year, starting in May, Alaska, along with the rest of the country, started requiring yearly renewals again. Deb Etheridge is the director with the Division of Public Assistance. And now as the federal government is having the states unwind from that public health emergency, we're having to do renewals on just around 264,000 enrollees in the Medicaid program. CMS, which oversees the program, flagged Alaska, along with 15 other states, for its long wait times and frequent hang-ups on phone helplines. The agency fears those problems will interfere with equitable access to the program, and CMS says that could put the state out of compliance with federal requirements. Etheridge says the biggest issue they're running into is people with old addresses on file. She says some people may not be up for renewal yet, so they may not have gotten renewal paperwork in the mail. But everyone enrolled in Medicaid should have received a postcard. Those were sent out in April. We did send a postcard out to every Medicaid household. And so a person who never saw a postcard come from the Division of Public Assistance, that might be a good hint that perhaps we don't have your correct address. Because the renewals have been paused for so long, more people have experienced life changes that may affect coverage, and more people have moved to new addresses than usual. So the Department of Public Assistance is processing extra paperwork. Anyone whose address isn't updated in the system may lose coverage even if they are still eligible. In July, the percentage of people who lost enrollment for procedural reasons in Alaska jumped by a third compared to May and June. So Etheridge says her department is doing a deep dive to try to figure out what's going wrong. Anecdotally with my staff, I've I've heard that people didn't realize they were still on Medicaid. And so that may be why they're not returning the information. Etheridge says the department is hiring more people to help with re-enrollment. About a third of people up for renewal over the past three months have been automatically renewed, but about another third were procedurally disenrolled. Those people may still be eligible for coverage, but Medicaid couldn't automatically enroll them. This means about 10,000 Alaskans who may still be eligible for the program have lost coverage since June. Lisa Aquino is the CEO of Anchorage Neighborhood Health Center. She says about half the center's patients are on Medicaid. She has seen the confusion of the renewal process play out at her clinic. There are people that are finding out at really terrible times that they no longer have Medicaid and it's a surprise to them. And everyone's trying their best to make sure that it doesn't happen. But the reality is that for some people, it is happening. 
Aquino says they're helping walk patients through this renewal process. She says she wants people to know that there are options for health care, no matter their situation or income. But she's concerned about the people who will fall through the cracks in this process. The people who, I, who I'm maybe most worried about are the people that are not connected with a regular health care provider, people that are experiencing homelessness or houselessness, people that don't have an address. I'm worried about them. So far, the state has processed about 12% of renewals. About 225,000 more people will need to renew through the spring of next year. In Anchorage, I'm Rachel Cassandra. While fall seems like it's just around the corner in southeast Alaska, across the Gulf in Homer, the summer harvest is in full swing. The Homer Farmer's Market recently hosted Zucchini Fest, an event celebrating the notorious summer squash. KBBI's Jamie Deep reports. Joey Lothian leads the crowd through races for a familiar festival that returned to the Homer Farmer's Market last Saturday. Tents sheltered families from the rain as they gathered to build race cars for Zucchini Fest. The only catch? The cars needed zucchinis attached to them, which could be purchased in the market. Tubs filled with toy cars, ribbons, duct tape, rubber bands, figurines, and more sat ready for people to use. Luce Ratterman, one of more than 10 racers, took full advantage of the supplies provided. I have two trolls, a tiger, an entire roll of cape, two seashell necklaces, control panels in the car that I kind of want. After assembling their cars, the market held a parade where they crowned the Zucchini Queenie, the event's version of a fair queen. Zuba Dorval, the 2019 queen, led the parade around the market and crowned Jennifer Castellani as this year's queen, donning her with a crown and cape. After the parade, people gathered around the racetrack as two competitors released their cars at a time. Rebecca Ross and Liam James stood at the side as zucchini car field medics, carrying toppled cars away on a stretcher. (laughs) Susan Miller is one of the organizers of the event. She's been involved with the farmer's market for over 20 years with her husband. She said the wet summer weather made it unclear if they would be able to hold Zucchini Fest in the first place. This year, we didn't know if we were going to do Zucchini Fest until, I think, like three weeks ago, because there weren't any zucchinis, because <laughs> it's been so wet. But we pulled it off at the last minute. Lauren Giroux, director of the Homer Farmer's Market, said that the annual event is one of many that were canceled for numerous years due to the COVID-19 pandemic but they're hoping to bring back more events in future years. Every summer since COVID, the market has gotten a little bigger, you know, more vendors and we've stayed busy. And so it's really exciting to see that energy coming back. At the end of the races, every competitor is a winner and walks away with a gift certificate for the farmer's market. The Homer Farmer's Market will continue to run until the end of September, with some vendors remaining until October 28th. In Homer, I'm Jamie Deep. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. 